just really wanted to shift the sound here. I love it. I love it. You know, the truth is, like, God is to be praised no matter what we're playing. And, and in a sense, no matter what we're singing, I know that we have, I, I, I feel like I kind of pick different types of songs. This one I'm going to teach you has, has a lot of words, and it kind of is one of those that kind of drives you to think a little deeper about what we're singing because it's written a little more poetically because sometimes that's how we pray. And then sometimes there's times that we just pray, God, help me, or God, you are good. And so our songs reflect that. And then there's other times where we kind of just don't have the words, right? And so that's okay too in this space if you don't, if you can't sing the words. And to be really honest with you, this song was not on my radar to teach you because even as early as this week, I couldn't sing this song without crying. And I, it's kind of a rule for me. But when the Holy Spirit lays it on your heart, I, like I, I have to say yes. And so this is a song I felt led to share here. Um, it's called Highlands. It's a song, it's a song of ascent. There's a collection of Psalms um, called the Songs of Ascent. And there's a lot of kind of different theories on like what those are, where they come from. And so I, I'll, I'm not going to I'm not going to claim one of those. Um, but we lift our eyes heavenward to a higher being who loves us and cares for us and has saved us, church, right? And therefore, we have hope. My team really liked this song, which made me really happy. Um, I hope that you like it too, but greater than that, I hope that this would be, these would be words that you could carry with you through your week. So here's how it goes. Oh, how high would I climb mountains if the mountains were where you hide? And oh, how far I'd scale the valleys if you grace the other side? And oh, how long have I chased rivers? Lowly seas to where they rise against the rush of grace descending from a source of its supply. Cause in the highlands and the heartache, you're neither more or less inclined. And stop at nothing. You're just not that hard to find. I will praise you on the mountain. I will praise you in the mountains in my way. You're the summit where my feet are. So I will praise you. Need 
together with one voice we're going to pray together this is from the common book of prayer that means that believers like us all around the world are, are praying these same prayers and i believe there is power in that unity so let's with one voice say together grant to us lord we pray the spirit to think and do always those things that are right that we who cannot exist without you may by you be enabled to live according to your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. All right, I need, I need your help, okay? We're going to play just a little bit of a game, and I need everybody to play, all right? doesn't matter how young, how old you are. I need everybody to play. We're going to play a word association game, all right? You guys know how that goes, right? I'm just going to say a word, and immediately, without thinking, you're just going to say the first thing that comes to mind, all right? And I need you to say it really loud. Uh, I'm really good at, at hearing. I can hear all your responses, okay? So everybody say it really loud, okay? Here we go. Alligator. Okay, you guys got to be quicker than that, all right? On your toes. Come on. It's late in the morning. You've had your coffee. Here we go. Swing. Okay, nice. Water. Food. Wow, you guys are slow on the food. I would, have been, I would have been on that one. Baseball. If you didn't say Reds, you're wrong. So, was that you, Jessica, that said? That was you, Judy. Okay. <laughs> nice work, Judy. Thank you. Uh, where are we at? Ground. I have no idea what you guys are saying. School. Light. Hill. <laughs> Money. <laughs> Harold, that's what I thought of. <laughs> Pig. Smoke. Carpet. Taco. Pastor Josh. Uh, I tried to get uh, I tried to get a moment of honesty there to see what I, I don't, you could have said anything and I wouldn't have heard you. Did, let me ask you this. When you're saying those responses, did anyone immediately, like, regret what they said? And you're like, what? Like, what? That has nothing. Did anybody do that? Show of hands. Did you do that? Like, that has nothing to do with anything. Why would I ever say that? Uh, the truth is, is that's what happens when we speak really quickly, right? When we are quick to speak, things like that happen, and we immediately regret what it is that we say. Did you know that the Bible actually says something about that? And in youth group this month, we are, uh, we're working through a series, we're actually starting it tonight, called RAD. Uh, 
who, let me, let me just ask you this. Who was like an older kid or a teenager during the 90s by a show of hands? That literally two of you? Come on. <laughs> kid, teens in the 90s. Okay, there we go. Okay. All right. In the 90s, we had some, some interesting words to say things. One of those was rad, and rad meant like cool, awesome, but it's kind of short for radical. And so this, uh, this month, we're, we're going to be looking in the book of James in youth group. And we're going to, James was a brother of Jesus, and so he kind of teaches some things about what it looks like to follow Jesus. And some of those things that he taught were pretty radical things that went against uh, kind of culture and society and human nature and said, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Here's one of those teachings. This is in James chapter 1, verse 19. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And maybe you're thinking, Josh, well, that's not very radical. Of course, we should be, we should be quick to listen and, and slow to speak. We have, what's the saying? We have two ears and one mouth, right? Of course, if you don't think that's radical, I dare you to pull out your phone and scroll social media for three and a half seconds, and you will see that this is radical, Right, like this is this this is a we're we're expected we're expected to quickly have an opinion and we're expected to quickly have a, a response to anything that is presented us and we're we're expected to have that immediately whether it's right wrong based on facts based on lies it doesn't matter we're expected to have this quick response we, we're like kind of to be heard right we want to be first to be heard regardless of whether it's right or wrong, or hurtful. We want to be first to be heard. But James says, when he's teaching these radical teachings, James says that's a garbage way of life. That's not the way of Christ. We are called to a different way as Christ followers. We are slow to speak. We're quick to listen. We're slow to anger. And if you look around us, that's just not what we're expected to do in this culture. But can I tell you, it's possible. Like it's possible, but it takes intentionality. We have to actually practice doing it. So maybe my challenge to you would be, what is one way that you can actually practice doing this? For me, because the truth is, I know that, I know that this is mind-blowing to you, but I'm not perfect and I don't have it all figured out. I know that's shocking to you. But one of the things that I've done to practice this, because I'm, I'm human too, right? Like I, I look through social media and I see things and I have a response. And so what I've done is I type that response. And man, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get them. And then instead of hitting enter to send, I just delete it. I got it out. I feel better about myself. But I don't have that out there that I immediately regret. So it takes a little bit of intentionality. But the truth is, is that this way of Christ that, that Jesus calls us to, that James calls us to in his, in his writings, like it's actually possible for us to do that. It takes practice. It takes the Holy Spirit working in and through us. It takes intentionality. But what would it look like if we as Christ followers lived a radical life that chose to do what Christ called us to, to, to choose to do what James points us to, to be slow, to speak, to be quick, to listen, to understand, to seek to understand, and slow to anger. I believe that that's what Jesus wants for us. Pastor Paul is going to come and teach us. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I like certainty. I, I like 
clarity. I, I, I like to have a good understanding of something. And, uh, you know, so you get, you get something and you, you, you have to put it together. I like instructions that make sense. Can I get an amen to that? Uh, you know, we, we ordered a, um, you know, I've got a lot of the IKEA things and put them together. And sometimes the instructions I get from IKEA uh, leave a little bit to, to be desired. And so we ordered a coffee table online, not from IKEA. It was the greatest instructions ever. Everything had like labels on it and numbers. You didn't have to figure anything out. And I put, it was, it was great. You know, I, I, we like things like that. We, we don't like uncertainty. We, you know, I, math has changed over the years. Uh, I, I don't like working with the boys on math when they were younger because they'd always say, explain your answer. And I always think, I can't explain it, it just is, right? Two plus two is four, there's no explanation needed. And so we don't like uncertainty, we don't like things that we don't understand. If we, if we go to the doctor, we don't want the doctor to look at the results and say, hmm, I've never seen that before, right? We don't want to hear that from the doctor. We want the doctor to say, hey, I understand exactly what's going on. Let's get you in a treatment plan. You do not want a diagnosis that's named after you, right? That is a bad sign. We want certainty. We want clarity. And so we're dealing with this subject, the day of the Lord, <laughs> uh, the return of Jesus. And quite frankly, there's not a whole lot of clarity. There's a, not a whole lot of certainty other than that Jesus will return with regard to this topic. The, the, the church at Thessalonica truly believed, they thought that the return of Jesus was imminent, that it could be any day. And so in their minds, they, they wanted to know, when will it happen? What what should we expect? And in these thoughts of uncertainty, uncertainty, there was fear. There was doubt. They had doubt in their faith. There was anxiety. To a certain extent, it froze them. It kept them from moving. And Thessalonica was experiencing this. It's not much different in our day. There's many in our day that, that believe that's where we are, that we're near the end. And, 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 and so there's all these emotions that go with the concept and when we talk about it. I, I believe Jesus will return. Do you believe that? Say amen. I believe Jesus will return. Could it be soon? It's sooner now than it was 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote this letter. Um, Thessalonians was nearly 2,000 years old. And there's been the same feeling throughout history that Jesus' return was imminent or soon. And so I, I believe that as believers, we're meant to live. If the church at Thessalonica was right in believing like that, I think we're meant to live with this feeling that Jesus could return soon. You know, the, the reality is, whether Jesus returns in your lifetime or not, when we leave this lifetime, we will stand before the throne. We will stand before God. And, and so there is even, any way you look at it, whether Jesus tarries a thousand years, my return to him will not be in a thousand years, right? I'm not going to end up being a thousand sixty years old. I'm not Methuselah. 
And so our return to him is imminent. Does it devalue looking towards the end if you say, well, yeah, it could be now or it could be in a thousand years? I've heard people say, well, you know, this is what skeptics say. And, and the truth is, in my life, I've heard many, and there's no other way to phrase it, reckless predictions and reckless um, theories. And some of those same folks who have made predictions in the past have continued to make predictions now. Their predictions were not right, and yet they just continued to go on and make the predictions. And some of you have read their books. Each time we wrongly predict the return of Jesus, we devalue his return. And so I would argue that to say, I believe Jesus will return, it could be in my lifetime, but I don't know that, as opposed to Jesus is coming back, and these are the signs, and you need to be ready right now, and I think it's this, and this person is that person, and I think that devalues the belief in his return more than anything else. We're intended to have this feeling of his imminent return. And if these instructions apply to the first century church, they apply to us. Last week, Paul was addressing Thessalonica's uncertainty. And I suggested in closing that the point is not knowing but trusting. That that perhaps God is inviting us to something else. Not not that we know all the answers, but that we trust the answer giver. And, And so the point is not certainty, but his presence. And so Paul's invitation to us in 1 Thessalonians, beginning in chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, is this. Now as to the times and the epics, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with a child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of, not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are also doing. Now, Paul uses in this letter the same trio of words he uses in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these are faith, hope, and love. And and he uses armor language. Paul uses armor language often in his his scriptures. There's a a longer list in Ephesians that includes the sword of the Spirit and all those kind of things. There's just two items in this list. The the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet, helmet of salvation. And Ephesians has these offensive weapons, but here it's only defensive weapons. It's the breastplate protecting the heart. It's the helmet protecting 
the head. You know, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to look at this and say, well, the helmet and the breastplate, these are fairly important defensive pieces of equipment because injuries to the heart or the head are devastating and they'll quickly disable you. And so there's a, a great deal, and why I think Paul's telling us this, there's a great deal of vulnerability when it comes to this concept of the day of the Lord, the reality of the day of the Lord, the return of Jesus. See, our fears, our anxiety, our stress can freeze us or cause us to withdraw from a world that desperately needs us. And, and so Paul's emphasizing the need to protect our thought life, what we perceive, what we see, what we hear, what we bring into our minds with regard to this very important concept. We need to guard our hearts and minds. Now this idea of guarding our hearts, it's not new to Paul. In Proverbs it says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I think that's a scripture I'd kind of mark and remember. Everything flows from your heart. In his book, Desiring the Kingdom, uh, Smith writes that most of our behavior is driven by what we love and not we th what we think. And so there's this ideal, this, this image in our mind of, of what the good life is and what we want to see in our life, and that's what we love and what we desire. And most of your actions are driven not by your thought life, but what you love. Humans are lovers. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you're a lover. Tell them right now. They need to know. And most of our life and our actions is driven not by what we think, but what we love. But our minds matter. Guarding our minds. And the scripture talks about guarding our minds and our thoughts. Paul tells us to set our mind on things above, not on earthly things. In Philippians 4, 7, Paul writes that the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So those concepts are, are worked together, this idea of the heart and the mind. And then in 1 Thessalonians, Paul uses these three great words of faith, hope, and love with defensive armor in connection with our heart and our mind. Now you say, well, these are, this is defensive armor, but, but these are proactive words. They're, they're calling us to something. The word faith means to be persuaded. And, and so Paul's saying, what, what are you persuaded of? What, what do you really believe in? What, where are you putting your faith this word love, it's agape, it's godlike love. It's, it's responding to the need of another with resources that we have. It's, it's a self-giving love. And, and so these aren't passive words. This word hope is an expectation that something good is going to happen. That God, is, God has us in, in his hands, that God has saved us. And, and Paul connects this word hope with salvation and he defines this hope that that whether we are awake or asleep we'll be with God whether you're in this place or it's after the day of the Lord or after Jesus's return or after you've passed on if you belong to him you belong to him and Paul's saying that's our hope that, that, that whether we are here or there we are with him 
It's crazy times. Can I get an amen to that? It's crazy times. Uh, it's uncertain. How are you doing? How are you doing? Are you guarding your hearts and your mind? Are you guarding your hearts and your mind? You know, there's practical things that we can do. Uh, there's intentional choices that we as believers can make. There's habits that we can have in our life that, that will help us guard our hearts and minds. Are you taking your anxieties to God in prayer? Are you praying? Do you have a prayer life? I mean, are you spending time, not, not just the leftover time, but are you spending intentional time in prayer? Are you praying with others? Are you in the Word? Are, are, are you spending any time in, in God's Word? Or do you spend more time on Facebook like Josh? <laughs> he wasn't even here to hear that. Are you in the Word? Are, I mean, or, 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 and this isn't fair because it's convicting even to me. Do you spend more time watching TV than time in God's Word? Humans are lovers. What they love causes them to act. If you look at where you're spending your energy and your time, what do you love most? Are you spending significant time in God's Word? Are you still gathering with community? Community matters. We're not intended to do this on our own. As a matter of fact, later on in the passage, it says, encourage one another. So, so this ideal of gathering and encourage one another in, in, in these uncertain times. And in Hebrews, Paul writes, you know, don't, don't stop meeting together, particularly as you see the day approaching. So if we believe the day is approaching, this is not a time to withdraw to our living room. It's a time to be together. Are you serving See, serving takes us out of ourselves, takes us outside of ourselves, and we see things in a different perspective. When, when, when all we do is serve ourselves, we become very self-centered. Are you giving? Are you giving? You say, well, Pastor, what's giving have to do with, with, with my anxiety and my thoughts? Giving frees you from the tyranny of having constantly needing more. Unfortunately, if I were to take a poll in this church, I, I believe I would probably find that most of the stress and anxiety in your life with regard to all that's going on is probably closely related to finances. So, so may I suggest, may, maybe now is the time to say, okay, God, I, I'm going to start giving you 10%. I'm going to start giving because I believe in this habit. God can free us from that fear, that tyranny that finances sometimes creates in our life. We believe in giving. I give. Your pastor gives. We, we don't pass a plate. We have boxes in the back of the church, and people drop their envelopes. People give online. We believe in giving, and we be, I believe... It is the essential habit for believers. It frees our mind to serve God. Are you letting go of harms and holding on to God's forgiveness? In, in other words, are you, are you trying to live in this forgiven state and yet you're holding on to these little petty things that someone else did to you? And this is an important one. 
Are you watching what you allow invade your mind? Media? Influences? What, what you focus your mind on? Paul says, meditate on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Can, can we just acknowledge that the vast majority of the things that are being bombarded upon us do not reflect Paul's instructions? Resources on the end. People that speak with authority on the end. Be careful. Be careful. What I have noticed is that there is a lot of manipulation in this area. There's a lot of manipulation with some that focus on this topic. And besides that, you realize that some of the most notorious cults of our day, Jim Jones, David Koresh, and many others have focused on this. And besides that, there is just flat out pure evil in this world that has focused on this issue and has used it to draw people from the truth. Earlier today, I talked about vulnerability with regard to this topic. And frankly, there's always crazy rumors out there. In my lifetime, there's been many wrong and dangerous ideals with regard to the end. So what's the point? If you fill your mind with negativity and fear, your mind will be full of negativity and fear. Right? What you put in is what will be in your mind. And folks, if you're out there searching for every conspiracy theory, everything that could be or might be, and there's a lot of it right now, can I at least hear an amen to that? If you're filling your mind with all that junk, then your mind will be full of junk. Your actions, your choices matter. Imagine you own a car. Uh, anybody here own a car? Okay, three people. Imagine you own a car. Most of our cars are owned by the bank. Uh, imagine you own a car and um, you, um, you, you never change the oil. Um, you, you, you use the wrong, you know, it's, it's, it's supposed to be as high as, uh, higher octane gas, and you use lower octane gas, ah, what's it matter? You, you, you never check your tires, you, you never do anything on the car, no, none of the maintenance. Eventually, what happens? You don't check your oil long enough, and the oil leaks out, guess what's the car stop doing? It stops driving, and your car becomes a lawn ornament, right? and sits in your front yard. And you can't blame the manufacturer. You can't say, well, that stinking Honda, why did they make this car that you have to put oil in? Our creator includes scheduled maintenance. Prayer, Bible, gatherings, serving, forgiving, giving, using the right fuel for our mind. And we cannot blame God if we fail to follow his clearly designed plan that, that was given to us in love. 
James writes, God is not mocked. <laughs> you will reap what you sow. Russ, when you plant soybeans, you get soybeans, don't you? Yeah, and when you plant corn, you get corn. What we plant, we will reap. Can we look at the focus for today one more time? But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and his helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are also, as you also are doing. So it comes back to God. Whether we are weak, awake or asleep, we will be with God. You know, Paul doesn't give certainty as far as the end. He simply tells them, you are invited to this now and forever relationship with the good, good Father that loves you and wants to enjoy you and wants you to enjoy him. You're invited to relationship with him. So our priority, it's not about clarity or certainty, but a trusting relationship with God. So we take our, our dog now uh, to uh, Amy Connolly's farm, and she, she does dog watching, when we, so we go away, and so we'll drop Kobe off, and it, it's, in, it's interesting. After, after we've been gone for a couple days, I, I know in his mind he thinks, well, they're just dead. Right? You know how dogs are. You know? And so when we show up, he's like this, hey, you're still alive. That's amazing. God is alive and well. Tell your neighbor. Let's encourage one another. God is alive and well. My dad and mom, dad loves telling this story. Dad's now 93, um, and uh, they've been married close to 60 years, if not 60. I think it's probably longer than that. It's been a long time. Yeah, yeah it's been longer than that because I have a brother that's nearly 70. So they've been married close to... <laughs> It's important to get that math right. Um, but, uh, but Dad always talks about getting married, and he, was, he had joined the Navy, and he said, so what? He said, yeah, your mom and I got married. We went on a honeymoon, and then I went on a nine-month cruise. <laughs> and he just loves telling that, and he, every time I see him, he tells us that. And Mom says, tell that. Tell him what you, you tell people. And so, so, so he's on this cruise, and, and for years in our basement, in our cellar, we had this bag of letters. It was about this, you know, one of the big mailbags full of letters between my mom and my dad. It was sickening. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I can remember I used to get in there and take the stamps because there's those little stamps. And, you know, so, so he's gone nine months. But what, what if my mom went, what, you know, he, he's, he's gone. You know, this, this marriage is, you know, where, where's he at? God loves you dearly. He may not be physically present. He's physically present through you and I. He may not, you may not seem, but God loves you dearly. Tell your neighbor, God loves you dearly. God's alive. He loves you dearly. The, the, the same God that gave his one and only son to die in your place is the same God that loves you today. And even though we don't have all the certainty that we want, 
God is still alive and still loves us. You know, I, I feel the stress, uh, probably more than any time in my life in the ministry. This has been the most stressful time of ministry that I've ever experienced. It's been crazy. It's been a, been a hard time. You know, I, I had a lot of sleepless nights, even for this pastor. And, 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 and can I tell you, I don't usually work like that. I'm not an anxiety monger. I mean, it doesn't usually affect me. And, and I feel it feel like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Can I leave you with this from the great philosopher Jody Springer that was on her Facebook page? <laughs> Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I thought that was great. So what do you need to let go of? How do you need to respond? Um, maybe you need to stop searching for clarity and just cling to his presence for a while. I'm not saying that God never gives clarity. He does. But folks, there's, there's things that will happen in our life that we will not have all the answers for. So maybe, maybe you just need to make a new commitment not to get in all the answers, but just trusting the God that has all the answers. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. I'm going to wait just a second. Our altars are always available. I know this is a, an altar kind of call message, but maybe you need to bring something to God. Maybe there's something that's, that that's, you just need to bring to him today. And so I'd encourage you to do that. I'm going to wait just for a couple minutes, and then I'm going to close this in prayer. Lord, stress is the reality of life. There's uncertainty in everyone's day. And we desperately want clarity. And quite honestly, sometimes we just don't have that. Lord, as I think about this message and, and sense your presence here, I keep going back to the scripture that says that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God's not changed. God's not dead. God still loves us. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus where he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That, that, that same loving Jesus who gave his all for us, that is the essence, the nature of our God. Lord, help us to cling to you even when we don't have all the answers. Lord, uncertainty is just not surrounding the day of the Lord, but Lord, just decisions of life. Oftentimes we get so caught up in, in just the way life is that, that we lose focus on you. We allow things to invade our mind That, Lord, it, it distracts us from what really matters. You're calling your people to relationship, to trust. This isn't an isolated, I'm on my own relationship with God. It's a community. You invite us to be one to relationship with you, relationship with each other, relationship with our community. We promise to restore, to renew, to empower. Lord, that's what we want.
Lord, I ask that you help us not to rely on the emotions of a moment. All these things sound good, but the reality is we need to watch what we're planning. We need to watch our habits and our practices. They matter. They matter to those, to, our, to, to us personally. And Lord, they matter in our homes and in our neighborhoods. So Lord, give us a fresh desire and urgency towards prayer, towards your word, towards community, towards serving and giving and forgiving. Lord, help us to see these things in a new way. Lord, may we not see them as an interference in our life, an interference in our daily routine, but Lord, may we see these things as the way to the good life, the life that you have envisioned for your people. And Lord, may we love them. May we see this and say this time of prayer, this time of study, this time of gathering is not what God wants from me, it's what he wants for me. And it truly is the best life. Lord, help us to guard our hearts and our minds. And Lord, help us to love one another. As we go from this place, Lord, we've been here in your presence. But when we leave this place, we don't leave your presence. In fact, you invite us to go as your ambassadors. To fill us with your spirit so that others may see you may see what we do, how we live, and may they understand that we've been with you, that you live within us, and may you receive the glory from the way we live our lives. Be with us, protect us, and keep us. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, God bless folks.